mentioned that uh, God is our rock that we can stand upon. He's our hope. We put our faith and trust in Him. We can have hope for a bright future. Nick and I are going to lead you guys in a song titled All My Hope. You've heard us sing it before. So please join along with us. Oh my 
that at the conclusion of the service, we could all say, all my hope is in Jesus, right? Yes. <laughs> he, is, he is the one who is worthy of our hope. And uh, thank you so much for singing that. I always appreciate Nick and Bill singing that song. They do an excellent job. And you guys did a good job. I heard you guys actually trying to sing along with Bill when he's up there in them high, vo high notes. And you guys were doing good. Doing good. Well, if you have your Bible, go ahead and take it out and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 is where we're going to be. And uh, I hope you had a good time going 1 Thessalonians. They are the model church. And I, I was thinking about that uh, a little bit this week because then the next week I, I said, well, they had the model church planter. Uh, but it, in, under most situations, uh, this situation in Thessalonica was not the model church plant because they didn't have the time for it to be the model church plant, right? I'm sure the model church plant would take six months to a year, but it got in his sovereignty. He said, I'm going to establish church here, and it's only going to take three weeks to do that. So uh, it's the model church plant in how it turned out because they were faithful uh, after only about three weeks of instruction of going on and planning a church and remaining faithful even during a time of persecution. And so uh, it, it's just a phenomenal story. And of course, and it's, a, it's an example for us, right? Uh, everything in the Bible is an example for us. It's for us to learn from, for us to try to model when it's appropriate. And uh, so we're going to do that again today as we look at a, uh, I, I have to tell you guys, you guys probably already know this, but I am terrible at titles for sermons. <laughs> I am terrible. A lot of pastors can come up with little quick you know, titles that are catchy and they're easy to remember. And all I can usually come up with is, is a line out of the scripture. So the title to that of, of this today is, is merely for us to love. We need to love enough to establish and exhort others in the faith. And that's exactly what he's talking about here today. So it may not be quick, it may not be succinct, it may not be easy to remember, but we need to love and care each other enough to establish and exhort others in the faith. And that is so necessary. You know, it is so necessary that we do that. And we'll talk more about what it means to establish and exhort. But uh, it's, this, is, this is such an important message. Not because I'm giving it, but because it, it tells us what is necessary for a church to continue on even through difficult times. Did you know we're going through difficult times? Uh, I was so glad to see the church kind of sort of full today because in difficult times, it's easy for people to kind of drift away and get unattached to the church and to get used to sleeping in or, or to get used to uh, maybe looking at sermons online or things like that. And I, I love to look at sermons online. I love to I love to follow David Platt. I listen to Matt Chandler. I listen to John MacArthur some. Uh, I've got sermons by uh, Adrian Rogers that I listen to sometimes. Just a bunch of different pastors. But there's nothing quite like being under the teacher of your pastor, right? I hope I hope you feel that way. Uh, that it's special uh, coming back to church, and so. 
Uh, let's go ahead and stand and as we go ahead and read this scripture. It's 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2. We're going to delve back just a little bit into the scripture we read last week. Uh, we're going to be reading several verses, so if you need to sit down, that's fine as well. But in honor of God's word, let's go ahead and read this, and we'll start with uh, verse 17 of chapter 2. We'll go all the way to the 13th verse of chapter 3. So bear with me. This is, of course, Paul speaking to the Thessalonian church. He says, But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. Because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone, and we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith, that no one may be moved by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, just as it has come to pass, and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith, for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you, and our labor would be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you, and has brought us the good news of your faith and love, and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live, if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day, that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself, our Lord Jesus, direct our way to you. And may the Lord make your increase and abound in love for one another as for all as we do for, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of the Lord Jesus with all his saints. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the scripture today, and, and we pray today that you would give us an uncommon amount of uh, attention. This is a long section of scripture, but it's a, a short outline. And so we pray that you would help us to gather all of this in and uh, to understand it, but then also to make it real in our life to have it become a part of our life, that it is our goal to care enough about people that we are willing to help establish them in the faith and we are willing to exhort them in their faith. Uh, it's not easy to do sometimes, so we pray that you would help us and we ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. So we've been going through the book of James on Wednesday evenings and of course, uh, James is a hard book as well sometimes. It's got some very challenging scriptures in it. And, of course, James 1.22 says, 
be hearers of the word and let's see no it says <laughs> be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves so I may have got that a little bit wrong but James in that book I think I think it applies perfectly to our lesson today and probably is applicable to every sermon that's ever been spoken but he says, make sure that you are not just listening to the word of God, but you're doing what it says. He says, otherwise you're just deceiving yourselves. And I think he's, he's saying you're deceiving yourselves if you think you are a Christian and you are hearing the word of God, but you're not doing the word of God. And so Paul, of course, since that is from scripture, he's totally buys into that as well. He believes that as well. And so... He, he, it's very much a part of this sermon here today when, you know, when I say that we must love enough to establish and exhort others in the faith because Paul loved deeply the Thessalonians, amen? We can see that in the scripture and we'll talk about how he loved them. He had a great concern for them. Now, uh, he wanted to spend a lot of time with the Thessalonians and to disciple them, but the kind of discipleship he kind of uh, was relegated to was a similar way we used to teach people to swim, and that's sink or swim, right? <laughs> so imagine this, this is kind of what Paul had to do. It's kind of like, I'll introduce you to Christ, I'll, I'll spend three Sundays with you, teaching you, but then I'm just gonna kind of toss you in the waters and, and uh, you know, you're either going to sink or swim. And of course, it's not quite that simple because they had the Holy Spirit, right? We know uh, why they went ahead and prospered in their faith because we talked about that in the first and second sermons that we did. Uh, they were the real deal, right? Remember me talking about they were the real deal? They were real Christians. We know that because when the gospel was preached, they believed. They believed the message of Jesus Christ. They believed that he died on the cross for their sin. They accepted him as their Lord and Savior. And then we also know that they were the real deal because it was accompanied by the Holy Spirit in their lives. And so they were the real deal. And that's why they were able to pass this test of sinking or swimming. They did not sink. Even in the midst of persecution, they swam and they did, they did very well. But Paul did love them immensely and we see that first of all in the fact that Paul was concerned for them so if you're looking at your little outline it's very simple this time but Paul was extremely concerned for them he was concerned that he had to do this sink or swim type of discipleship he didn't want to do it that way but he's being prevented by Satan from staying any longer remember that the church at Thessalonica accepted the gospel but the community did not accept the gospel they became a mob, and that mob ran Paul and Silas out of Thessalonica, and they had to go to Berea. But he had a tremendous concern for them because he had a tremendous amount of work invested in them. He had a tremendous amount of prayer uh, invested in this church, and he greatly desired for them to persevere in the faith. We are supposed to persevere in the faith, right? Uh, 
one time in our Sunday, I think it was our Wednesday night Bible study class, we were talking about perseverance, and I just, I don't typically ask these kind of, kind of questions, uh, but I ask a question. We are all in here, in this room now, going to persevere in the faith, right? And everyone said yes. You can do that in a smaller group, but, you know, uh, but we need to persevere in the faith for the glory of God, right? For the glory of God. We know we are eternally secure, but we also know that our lives are a reflection of Jesus Christ, and He persevered all the way to the cross, amen? And He persevered all the way through the cross to the grave and back up to heaven again. And so we shall persevere as well, but we need encouragement. To persevere we we don't do it on our own we do it when our loving church family comes along us and helps to establish us in the faith and exhorts us in the faith and so they needed to persevere in the faith they were not going to go give up if Paul had anything to do with it and his fear was that Satan kept him from visiting this church and his fear was that Satan would somehow tempt them during their time of trials and tribulations and that they would fall away from the faith. He feared that all of their work that they had done there, all the work Paul and Silas had done, the sending of Timothy there, uh, had all been done in vain. He says in verse number five of chapter three, he says, I sent Timothy to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. He didn't want even the chance that Satan had somehow tempted them and drawn them away from the faith. We need to, he had a great concern for them, but we need to have the same concern for our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? Amen. Is Satan not loose and tempting people? He surely is. He surely is, and he will take advantage of any situation. He will take advantage of any kind of politics. He will take advantage of any kind of disease to cause discord and disunity. And he will try to split the church. And we have to be ready for that. We have to be as concerned for others spiritually as Paul was for this church spiritually. And so in our prayers, I'm, I'm so glad that we touched on this in our Sunday school class because so many times our prayers, rightfully so, are concerned with the physical well-being of people. And that, that's right that we do that. But it would seem as though we would be praying as much or more for people's spiritual well-being, right? Because we don't want Satan come and to tempt them away from Jesus Christ. And you say, well, how can that happen if people are eternally secure? Well, not everyone who raises their hand and professes Christ is necessarily saved. And so they need to be encouraged to make sure that their faith is a true faith by persevering in their faith. And so he, Paul had this great concern that Satan was somehow going to come and tempt them away. And so we need to have that same concern for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to, if they don't show up in church for a couple of weeks, give them a call and say, is everything going okay? We'd love to have you back at church. We, 
we miss you. We miss you. Not in a judgmental kind of way, but we do it in a way that is loving and kind. Because that's what we're trying to do. We're not trying to judge. We're trying to include them back into our church. So he was concerned about them, but he had a great concern for them because he had a great love for them. And we're going to talk about Paul's love for them. It's evident in how he describes this event that happened when they were taken away from uh, the people of Thessalonica. He says that you were torn away from them. They were torn away from them. And this indicates that this experience was one of great pain and deep distress for Paul. He, he frankly, he just misses them. He misses being around them. He misses their enthusiasm. You know, younger believers a lot of times have great enthusiasm, and these would have all been young believers. He, he missed that vibrancy that he had with them. The, uh, you know, when you teach a new believer, they're listening to every word that you say, and they, they're trying to grasp it all. And yet, he was torn apart from, from them. And I couldn't help but think about how in the last couple months we have, in, in essence, experienced a tearing apart, at least physically. I don't think spiritually we have, but at least physically we have been separated more than what we have normally suffered. And this is, to be honest, this is difficult on a pastor. <laughs> It is a difficult on a pastor for me not to look out and see each and every one of you every day because I'm, I'm wondering, well, how are, they, how are they doing? You know, are they, are they holding up okay? Uh, are they being tempted, you know, not to come back? Uh, and so, uh, you know, we're concerned about that. So to have you guys show up like this, it's awesome. <laughs> It's awesome. It helps, it helps calm my fears a little bit. But uh, I know that pastors during this time are missing their fellow church members and concerned about their spiritual health. His heart, however, is still with them, though. Did you notice that? He says that they've left physically, but in, they've only left uh, physically and not, uh, not in heart. Uh, this is a physical separation only. And so it's kind of like the old song, uh, what Paul has done, I left my heart in San Francisco, right? <laughs> you know that song? <laughs> who used to sing that? I couldn't remember who said Was it Tony Bennett? Frank Sinatra? I'm sure Frank Sinatra probably did record it, but I was thinking Tony Bennett made it popular, but I could be wrong. But... Most of you are looking like, who in the world are you talking about? And I used to think this when I was a young kid and I'd listen to this. How could he leave his heart in San Francisco? I mean, how's that even possible? I had no idea. But in, in, a, in a sense, Paul has left his heart in Thessalonica. You know, he is, even though physically he's distanced by miles and miles and miles, his heart and his thoughts and his prayers are very much still with his church at Thessalonica. And I just had to ask myself and, and had to ask 
you guys this question as well. Do you have a heart like Paul did for people's souls? Do you have a heart like Paul had for people and their souls? Because I know that Paul, his thoughts are very much with him and their physical needs, but also their spiritual needs. We need to have that, right? Yes. We need to have that. And if we don't have that, we need to ask that. Because here's another question I wanted to ask. Which is more dangerous? COVID or sin? Sin, right? Sin is more dangerous than COVID. And so when it comes to how we minister to people, we're still trying to work that out, how outreach looks in a world where there's COVID. But we will do outreach, okay? We will do outreach. We have to do outreach because the danger of sin is much greater than the danger of COVID. And Jesus said, what do he say about laying down our lives? We're to lay down our lives for the sake of the gospel, right? And that doesn't mean being silly. That doesn't mean taking unnecessary risk. But it does mean that we must be willing to lay down our lives so that others can hear the gospel. Paul, Paul his whole heart, his thoughts, and his prayers were very much with the church at Thessalonica. He, he cared desperately about their souls. He tried to visit them. He's hindered by Satan. He is fighting against Satan for the sake of the Thessalonians. Think about that, Thessalonians. He is fighting against Satan. He desperately wants to see them and needs to see them face to face to see how they're doing. Face to face contact is so important. And we've, I think we've learned that the last three or four weeks. So you can do things through Zoom. You can do things through recorded uh, sessions. But face-to-face -face sometimes is the only thing that will do. One of the horrors, I guess, of COVID is that if you get sick, then you go to the hospital and people are not allowed to visit you because you're in quarantine, right? And most of us have thought about how, how, how do we deal with that? Because, you know, you can talk to the person who's in the hospital on the phone. You can do FaceTime with them or you can do Zoom with them. But if it were your kids, would you not want to see them face to face to see how they're doing? Put your arms around them. Tell them that you love them. That's what Paul wanted to do. He wanted to see them face to face. He would had letters sent to him. He'd had... Timothy sent and come back and given a full report. And still he said, I want to see you face to face. I want to see if there's anything that I can add to help strengthen you in your faith. So Paul loved them immensely. And he had great hopes for them. Being faithful even in the midst of adversity. Their love for one another was evident. That's how, by the way, how the world knows that we are Christians is by our love for one another. They still longed to see Paul, which tells me they had a good relationship with Paul. They were doing what Paul had commanded them to do. If, you, if you're disobedient to someone, you're not necessarily happy to see him come around, you know. So they, they wanted to see Paul. Uh, they were a comfort to Paul, to Paul. They were standing fast during times of trial 
and they are Paul's joy. Paul wanted to see them. He wanted to supply what is lacking in their faith. All I got, all I got that was from verses 1 through 13. And so Paul has great hope for them. He sees that the Holy Spirit is evident in their life. But he sends Timothy to them and he says, I want you to establish them in the faith and exhort them. And so let's talk about that just a little bit. To establish in the faith. Let me, let me just ask a question. What does it mean to establish someone in the faith? Teach. Teach? Okay. Anyone else? Want to add more? That's pretty good, right? Teach. Encourage. Encourage? Yeah. Encourage. Welcome them in. Okay. They need, they, they need to feel a part of the body of Christ of this church. Do what? Make new believers. Yep. Right. Huh? Lead them. Yeah. Accept them in the family. Yeah. Discipleship. Very good. All, all, I mean, all of those are good. When I think of establish, I think of establishment like a building. It's, I think a foundation, all these things go into that. But what, what Paul wanted Timothy to go and do is establish with, within each believer a firm foundation so that they would not stray when tempted by the devil, right? So we all have this firm foundation. That's why we have Sunday school. That's why we have Wednesday night Bible studies. Why we have ladies Bible studies is to build a firm foundation so that like in the parable, there's a parable about that, right? Parable about the guy who built on a firm foundation and the guy who built on sand and the storm came and the one on sand, the building fell flat and the other one stood the test, right? So that's what Timothy is sent back to do and it's what we need to do as well if we care about people is that if they come up front and give their uh, life over to Christ, then we need to go to work to build a foundation on them so that they do not uh, at one day turn away from the faith. And so, yes, it's leadership. Yes, it's discipleship. But it's bringing them to a point where they have developed firm convictions of their own, right? Uh, sometimes kids... Uh, they have, their, they have their parents' convictions until they get about 17, 18, 19, and then they decide, I want to check this out and find out what my foundations are. And sometimes they say, hmm, my parents are pretty smart. Sometimes they have to go their own way for a while, and then they come back when they're about 30 and they think, oh, my dad was pretty smart <laughs> after all, or my mom was pretty smart. So it's, it's this idea of developing firm, firm uh, convictions about who is Jesus Christ? Who is God the Father? What's the meaning of the cross? All those different things that are a foundation that make a Christian exactly what a Christian is. And then, so that's establish. And then exhort. What do you think of when you, when you think of exhort? Exhort to continue in the faith. Encourage, yep. It's, it's kind of a strong form of encourage. 
You're their cheerleader in effect, right? <laughs> you're their coach or your cheerleader. You're telling them, don't give up. You know, you're going through this hard situation. Don't give up. Keep coming to church. You're important. Grow in your faith. You know, so many times we think, I think we think, that we can just stay where we're at and be pleasing to God, but we're always to, supposed to always be moving forward and up in our faith, right? Yeah, more and more like Christ. And so we're to, we're to encourage them, exhort them, we're to establish them in the faith. We could go on and on about those. But his, his final goal is in verse 13. Let's read that verse again and then we'll be closing. Verse 13, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Our hearts need to be established as blameless in holiness. Now what, what exactly does that mean? We talked about this uh, also in Sunday school, I think a little bit. We talked about our heart and uh, we have a new heart, right? When we become a Christian, we're given a new heart, a heart that loves Jesus, a heart that's perfect, right? It's not perfect. <laughs> it's not quite perfect yet. It's not perfect. We have a new heart. It is a heart that is capable of learning about God now. It's a heart that is capable of saying, yes, I will be obedient. And so we go through this life and we have a heart that is still somewhat divided. We love God. We want to do what Jesus tells us to do. And yet we have the pull of the world and the temptations of Satan. And so all through this life, it's like a tug of war and God through his word is drawing our heart more and more to him until it's blameless in the Lord. Okay? That's, that's, the go that's Paul's goal here. He wants to establish them in the faith. He wants to exhort them so that at some point in the future, maybe when the Lord Jesus comes back, our hearts will be fully established as blameless in holiness and so do we care about people do we care for the people of the church as Paul did I think I think that we do I think we care enough to establish them in the faith I think we care enough to exhort them in their faith and I think we care enough to see them persevere to the end of their life that their hearts will be blameless So, the challenge today, I guess, is to see, do we do, we do this in our everyday life? Do, do, do we do it in our practice? Are we following James 1.22, which says, to not only be hearers of the word, but to be doers? And so the challenge for us today is to be doers. Find someone that you can encourage. Find someone that you can help establish in the faith. And we will be doing the word of God and the will of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this time. We thank you for uh, your word and we thank you for uh, your strength because these things that you tell us to do are difficult. They are supernatural. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So let us go to him now and ask that he reveal to us areas in which we can know Christ and 
and we can share Christ with other people and help establish them in the faith and bring them all the way through to perseverance to the end of their lives. And we need your help to do that. And guide and direct us during this time of response. And we ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen.